joy to, to be here with you again, and uh, especially in the worship of the living God, uh, being reminded that we have this union because Christ shed His blood on the cross. And uh, we are pleased to be here. We had a safe travel, and we were welcomed by the Spreckers. They have shown their love to us, as well as the whole congregation. We, we just feel home. Thank you for that. With that, let us turn to the scriptures. Our text is Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Hear, please, the word of the Lord. To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamon, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters a spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let us seek God's face in prayer. O oh Lord, you are indeed our mighty fortress. Lord, we are here as your people to hear your word. Please, show us your glory once again that we might be edified, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What do you do when your whole world is falling apart? When you feel like the very ground on you are standing is scrambling. When the crisis that you are in is so great that you feel entirely powerless to do anything about it. This is the scenario that the psalmist of Psalm 46 envisions. And he teaches us that Christians do have a place to go in those times. Psalm 46 is a song of confidence in divine protection. Some scholars say that it was perhaps written after a great deliverance. Perhaps when Sennacherib surrounded Jerusalem and had it under siege, he was sure he would conquer it. We find that in the book of 2 Kings. But God intervened and he delivered his people. All these scholars just say there's no mention of a specific crisis in this passage. But we know by reading it, that the psalmist has in mind times of trouble. Times of 
distress. In that context, God is seen as the guardian of His people. We can think of many times when God showed His power protecting His people from their enemies. The most memorable one is well known to us. It's found in the book of Exodus when God delivered His people from the hands of Pharaoh and from the hands of the Egyptians. But make no mistake, brothers and sisters, this text does a lot more than telling us about a particular deliverance experienced by the Israelites. Paul teaches us in the New Testament that things that happen to them are for us as examples. We, as the church of God, we are the spiritual Israel. And we all know crisis, don't we? We all know trouble and distress. One commentator says that we, as the church of God, we need to remind ourselves that the composers of this song did not write only to make their own experience public and memorable, but rather, using these experiences, they wrote songs that could be used by later worshipers in similar situation. So, if you are a worshiper of the living God, and you find yourself in a situation of crisis of some sort, this is a song for you to be singing. The church of God, living in dark times, as we talked about this morning. In times where hostility to God and His people is rampant. The church of God needs to be singing this song. Even in this nation where we experience much freedom to worship the Lord in the past, things are changing. And this area here where we are, there was revival in the past. Now, we see so much spiritual dryness. And uh, back in Grand Rapids last month, in, actually in April, we had people were coming to Heritage Reformed Church Sunday morning, and they found at the door in big letters, God is dead. People were scared, and given, given to some shootings that has happened in the country, they thought, what might come next? The church of God, in such context, the church needs to be singing this song to reassure ourselves that God is a stronghold for those who seek refuge in Him. And this is our message this evening. And we are going to divide it in three headings. The world's turmoil. Second, stability in God. And third, confidence renewed. The world, world's turmoil. Stability in God and confidence renewed. Our first point, the world's turmoil. The psalmist begins with a strong declaration that will set the tone of the whole song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And the word refuge here conveys the idea of a shelter. A protection, it reminds us that God provides protection from the troubles of life. But verse 1 tells us more. 
about God's ability to defend his people. It says that he is our strength. He is the one who enables us to face opposition. He is the source of our strength. We know David was a great warrior. Nevertheless, he knew that his strength to fight battles were God-given. In Psalm 144, he says that the Lord is the one who trains his hands for the war, his fingers for the battle. In other words, he is his deliverer. And this is one of the first things that we need to recognize in in times of crisis. We are weak. We are weak people. One tiny, invisible virus can end us. We need God. He is the one who has what we lack. He has what we lack. Our text also describes God as a very present help. And the expression very present in the Hebrew conveys the idea of intensity, abundance, a help that is greatly to be found. Well proved. Well tested by all who were in trouble. All his people who were in trouble and sought this help. None of them, none of them were let down. It is a well-proved help, always available to his people, always present, always present. I used to live in a place back in Brazil, much less safe than Grand Rapids, Michigan. So banks developed this strategy. They would try to establish their branches close to a police station or to a military base They thought that in that way they would be guarded all the time, 24-7. Even though the kind of help in which they trusted could fail, as it happens sometimes. But not so with our God. The psalmist is saying here that what God offers us is not only an impression of security, but it's sure security, sure protection. Our God can face any opposition. Because God is this God. His children should not fear even the direst circumstances. Even the direst circumstances. Even if the things that you know as most stable around you, if they are undone, you have no reason to fear because God is your protector. God is of such a help that challenges the worst case scenario. Because perhaps for a lesser problem, if the psalmist envisioned here a lesser problem, perhaps we could think, well, this is something that the police can do. They can protect us from thieves. Uh, The country can help us to improve our economy. Our army can protect our borders from uh, foreign attacks. Brothers and sisters, what the psalmist envisions here requires a power above nature to deal with. Because the psalmist pictures for us the whole world in turmoil. The earth and the mountains, they are the symbol of the most stable things in creation. They are B 
being moved. The things that you know as unmovable, they are being moved. The earth is shaking and the mountains are trembling. The sea, on the other hand, was an image of chaos in Hebrew poetry. Chaos. So think of that for a second. The foaming of the waters, the fury of the waves, threatening to swallow the most stable things you know in creation. The mountains. It is, brothers and sisters, like a cosmic catastrophe. It is as the whole world, as you know it, is collapsing. In, in such times, there is no place to hide except in God. Except in God. America is a country that still enjoys a stable economy. It still has a relative, relatively strong army. We still have freedom of religion. There is some stability. But things seem to be changing. And perhaps our freedom of religion started already to suffer restriction. We no longer can speak of things that are scriptural without being discriminated. Without being discriminated. And we also see much unrest in nature, not only here, but everywhere. The earthquakes in, in Turkey. That was devastating. That was terrifying. Nature seems to be in unrest. Viruses. All kind of viruses. Pandemics. Pandemics. These are small things compared to what the psalmist pictures for us. These are small troubles for our God. We as Reformed people, we talk about God's sovereignty, and that is right. We should do that. But if we truly believe in God's absolute sovereignty, the proper conclusion to our theology is that though the whole world is falling apart, we should not sink into fear because God is with us. God is with us. Now, brothers and sisters, it is not to say that we are immune to fear. It is not certainly your experience. We fear. And I believe there is a special reason why the psalmist himself wants to make this declaration a song. It is for he himself to repeat for himself. It is for us to sing, to reassure of ourselves of these biblical truths. And because you know that in dire circumstances, the temptation is to fear. The temptation is to fear. In Psalm 14, we see in one occasion, Jesus comes to meet the disciples who were on this ship. Jesus comes walking on the waters. Peter, under Jesus' word, he comes walking on the waters. But what happens? We know that, right? He looks at the fury of the seas, at the waves, and his faith fades and he starts sinking. Jesus was right in front of him. 
very present. Nevertheless, he was afraid. He was afraid. Many people look at the news and they hear of wars, rumors of wars, diseases that were used to be mild, now they have become deadly. They are terrified. They live in fear. Because, brothers, reflecting, brothers and sisters, reflecting upon the world's turmoil brings turmoil to the soul. And the way to tackle that is to remind ourselves that though threats are real, there is a greater reality still. God is with us. That is a greater reality. God is our mighty fortress. Though turmoil in the world inspires fear. The remembrance that God is for us a very present help that has the power to stop us from being overwhelmed by fear. And why? Because He is God. Because He's God. Just take a look at the contrast. While verses 2 and 3 have this imagery of turmoil, chaotic water. Verse 4 speaks not of a prideful big sea. And actually in the Hebrew, this is the first word that appears in contrast to the, to the chaotic sea. A river. A river. And a river, brothers and sisters, talks about, teaches us something about stability. And this is our second point. Stability in God. It reminds us of the Garden of Eden, where we had this river that divided in four branches, where God was present with man before the fall. And we have this river again at the end of Revelation, right? A river that flows from the throne of God. God's presence bringing peace to His people. God is the most high, as our text described. But He has chosen to dwell among lowly people. He actually identifies Himself with His people. He is the God Almighty, the Lord of hosts, but He is the God of Jacob. The God of the unlovable. What a wonderful thought. In the Old Testament, Jerusalem was called the city of God, the temple of God that represented God's presence was there. But it was God's presence that made the place holy and secure. The presence of God there was the guarantee that though the whole world is in turmoil, the city of God remains unmovable. And the reason, verse 5 says, God is in the midst of us. God is in the midst of His people. He will help His city. And that right in the morning, and what a beautiful expression, 
right in the morning. And I say that because we have the exact same Hebrew expression in the book of Exodus. When God's people were in trouble, when they were running away, being chased by the Egyptians in the Red Sea, they feared. But in the morning, as morning dawned, God saved His people and drowned the Egyptians right in the morning. There is peace with God. There is peace in the community of God's people. It is God's presence, brothers and sisters, that brings stability to nature, to nations, to the church, to your soul. Where He is present, there is security. But not for everyone. This is not a blank statement. He is the God of Jacob. He is the God of those who have entered in a covenant with Him. Being a church and going through the motions are not a sort of talisman against evil. Only communion with the God of Jacob. Only communion with the God of His people. With the God of the covenant. Only that can save us from worldly threats, can protect us from the evil one, can save us from sin and death. We need to be in communion with God through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus is actually the refrain of the song. Did you notice that? God with us. Emmanuel, that is not a New Testament concept, right? It is through the whole Bible we find that. Jesus is God with us. The incarnation is the climax of that. But it's everywhere in the scriptures. In Christ, God is very close. God is very close. Jesus is the refrain of this psalm, and He is the one who protects His people. He sustains the whole world by the word of His power. If the nations rage against Christ and against His church, He only has to speak a word, and the enemies will melt. Just as by His word everything was made, by His word everything is unmade. When Jesus comes for the second time, He will save His people and He will destroy lawlessness. How? With the breath of His mouth. With the breath of His, his mouth. Our text, brothers and sisters, do not, does not teach us that believers will not face crisis of any kind. It does not teach that believers will not be threatened by evil. Nor does it say that believers are immune to fear. No, it doesn't. But it reminds us of an objective reality. That God is above nature. That God is above kingdoms and 
human powers. Now think of that. If this God is for us, who can be against us? If this God is for us, who can be against us? And this is the reality that needs to be acknowledged by God's children. Because awareness of God's presence and that He is for us neutralizes the anxiety that fear causes in us. Right now. Why? Because He's God. Because He is God. But that awareness comes by reflection upon God's works. And this leads us to our final point. Confidence renewed. We know by experience that the threats to God's people are real. They are real. Whether they are natural, political, or heresies, or any other thing. They have the power to frighten us. They have the power. But if reflection on threats causes us to shape reflection upon God's deeds, renew our confidence in Him. This psalm invites us to remember God's past works in verse 8. But it, it also invites us to look at the future in verse 10. Verse 8 says, has these imperatives. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations He has made on the earth. The biggest reference of the Old Testament was God's deliverance in Egypt. Reflecting on that, renew the hope of the Israelites. And the exercise, this same exercise of beholding God's Word can renew your confidence in Him. The same exercise. And we can consider a greater victory. We can consider the victory over sin and death conquered by the Lord Jesus Christ. God's works of redemption. We can consider that. But our text also invites us to envision the future. A time when God will be exalted in the earth. He will destroy all the anxieties. The Lord will defeat all his enemies and bring final peace. He will destroy human instruments of war. The bow, the spear, the chariots. He will bring peace. Think about that for a second. Think of the victory, of the final victory of Christ over Satan and over all those powers that are at work right now to oppress the church of Jesus. And Christ comes again. He will put an end to all of that. Reflecting on that can bring peace to your soul right now. Because these are the words of God. These are not just words to cheering you up that might or might not come true. These are the words of God. A God who cannot lie. Who cannot lie.
Another imperative in our text is be still. One of the things that I admire in American culture, at least it is the way it appears to me, that the typical American is hardworking. They do not like wasting time. And uh, I learn from that. I like that. But it reminds me of another thing that is not typical of Americans, but it is common to every man and every woman. It's hard to be still and wait for God to work. And I'm not talking about folding your arms and sitting back because it's taught nowhere in the Bible. I'm talking about that attitude of heart that is totally dependent on God. That recognizes that ultimately God is the one who gets things done with or without us. Sometimes in spite of us. God is the one who gets things done. And this psalm teaches us to be still. Not only be still, but be still knowing. Be still and know, not only intellectually, but in your heart, that the Lord is God. The triune God. When we know that we trust in Him, because He has fulfilled Every promise. Not one fell to the ground without being fulfilled. This is our God. This is our God. But this message is not only for God's people. For those who, whether consciously or not, fight against the church of God. For those who oppress His people, whether they are philosophies, organized power, or whatever it is, they should be still. This is is a sober warning. They should stop. Because those who persecute the church, we know that persecute Christ himself. The king. And they should bow the knee to this king right now. While there is still time. While there is still time. Well, have you noticed that our text has two sources, two spheres from where threats come? One is the earth, the nature. And the other one is the nations, the kingdoms. And at the end of our text, we are told that the Lord will be exalted in both. He will be exalted in the earth, and He will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted. And that He does in and through His Son, the Lord Jesus. The end goal of history is that God will be exalted, and that will happen. God will be exalted. And that He does through His Son. Jesus, God with us, with those who bow the knee to Him right now. Right now. If you are the one who trusts in Jesus in that way, if you have bowed your knee to Jesus already, 
and you find yourself perhaps right now being overwhelmed by trouble, by crisis, I don't know the source. Brother, you should stop. Sister, you should stop for a second. You should meditate upon these truths. You should join the sons of Korah. Sing this song and repeat to yourself these truths as one who appropriates by faith what it teaches. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. We have the testimony of the scriptures that God was a protector for his people. But perhaps you have your own story. Perhaps you have your own experience in times of crisis when the Lord upheld you, when the Lord protected you. And we have also the testimony of church history. I trust you all, you all heard of Martin Luther. Uh, time ago, we, we studied one of his works here in the Reformation Bible study. Well, Luther knew trouble in his life. He knew crisis. As an individual, as well as a member of the church, we know that he fought against heresies and ended up being charged as a heretic himself. He lived in the times of the plague in Europe. He knew what it's like to lose loved ones. He lost his friends. He lost a little daughter. And uh, Psalm 46 was a source of encouragement to the reformer. I believe that in many crises, he would just turn to it and read to himself. And we, as a fruit of that, we have a hymn that he wrote that is based on it. A mighty fortress is our God. A mighty fortress is our God. As we sing God's words, we, are, we remind ourselves of whom he is. We engage in this covenant man. He was a shelter to Isaac, to Abraham, to Jacob, to you, to me, to us. God is a mighty fortress. And if at any time it looks any different, it is not that he has changed or weakened, but that we do not know well the God whom we serve. Let us pray. Oh, dear God, you are so merciful, so merciful to rescue us, rebellious sinners that wanted nothing to do with you, but you loved us. You rescued us. We are all Jacobs. And uh, on the cross of Jesus Christ, you made us your people. And you offer us these sure protections, these sure promises, O oh Lord, encourage us today with this truth. And if there are those here tonight who are facing crisis of some kind, may them know that you are not far. May them know that you are never absent, but that you are very present. We pray, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll continue our worship by 